when I wrote, came up with the story and where me and Kirk are telling Lynn about the story, Lynn is like, so what you're telling me is I have to write the best love song ever, you know? And he was like, thanks a lot. Easy assignment. Hello, and welcome to a brand new episode of Pop Culture Planet. I'm your host, Kristen Maldonado, and today we're chatting with Chiara Alegria Jurez, the writer of Vivo. Between In the Heights and Vivo, you've got like two huge musical movies within months of each other, especially once it celebrate Latino cultures, which is amazing. So how does, how does that feel? It feels nuts. I'm, it wasn't planned that way. You know, it was like In the Heights was supposed to come out a year ago. You know, Vivo was supposed to come out a handful of months ago. and. Then a pandemic happened. And the thing that's cool about it is that they both are kind of, they're, they're very positive movies. And so it feels nice at a very difficult time across the earth to put something positive out there. But um, yeah, it's nuts. Like debuting movies back to back, I wouldn't necessarily recommend it, but you know, those, those these are good problems to have. Now, can you tell me how you got involved in Vivo and what it was like creating this story? I got involved because Lin-Manuel was working on it first and we were working on In the Heights together on Broadway. You're always, you'll always have a few projects that are kind of, you know, on, on the stovetop at a certain time. And one of them's like on high heat and one of them's like on low heat on the back burner simmering. And so um, he went and did Moana and he, as he was working on Moana, he kept sharing his, his songs with me and saying that he thought I would really like animation a lot um, because it's pretty collaborative, like writing a musical. And so then, yeah, then he uh, brought Vivo to me to work on together. You guys just like work so well together. What is it like, you know, and you know, another project that you guys are working on together, what makes your partnership work so well? It's just a little bit of like personal chemistry and artistic curiosities, but I think we're both um, optimistic and somewhat playful and silly when we're together and that helps the vibe. But also I think as writers, we're quite different and so, we combine, we bring different things together. You know, he's he's always bringing the playfulness, um, the uplifting vibes, and I'm always like looking for the drama, you know? And, and so I think those, it's it's nice to have um, interest and curiosities that complement each other in that way. This is your first animated project. So what was like the most surprising or challenging aspects of like working on an animated film? The most challenging stuff is what's challenging about all writing, it's like, I can't figure out act two, you know, what's, I don't know how to resolve this idea that like starts well, but I don't know the resolution, like all of the, all of the right nerdy writing stuff. That's always what's hard. Um, but there were so many surprises. Like I, I could not believe when I first saw the character design for Gabby, because that character is inspired in part by my little sister and you know, so I described her in the screenplay and I, I said to them that it was especially important for me that there was a lot of female body diversity in in the movie. Um, but I'm not an artist. I don't know what that looks like drawn. And when they showed me Gabby animated for, for the first time, I almost fell out of my chair because she looks like my baby sister. I couldn't believe it. I was like, how I'd never showed them a picture of her or anything like that. Um, so a lot of really fun surprises that way. Seeing the characters for the first time was the biggest surprises for sure. That's amazing. I mean, Gabby was my favorite character. I loved her so much. My favorite scene is when she's um, jumping onto the little boat and then she just falls into the water and she's like, oh, <laughs> you know, oh well. 
I love that part. And I love how funny, uh, oh wait, yeah, how funny she, like she is when she messes up. You know, I think as women and girls, we are told to apologize when we take up too much space or make too much noise or make mistakes. Like we're so quick to apologize. And I wanted to write a character who, who never says sorry for being who she is. Um, and she, like all of us, has flaws and makes mistakes and has to be accountable to those. It's not that she's not accountable, but she's not apologizing for who she is. And so that was really exciting to me. And I was like, okay, I also want to write, you know, I, I was a playwright for 15 years before I wrote Vivo. And you can see these habits that girls and women are taught to perform femininity, including like just smiling as a, as a way to please others, not smiling because you're happy, smiling to please others. And so I was like, Gabby's never going to smile to please someone else. She's going to smile because she feels pleasure. Like these little things I was trying to get in about her character. So I, I'm really glad that you related to her. And I think that's so important. The things that you said about, you know, her being her own independent person, you know, the fact that you have all this body diversity in this film, um, is just so important. And, you know, do you feel a responsibility to tell those types of stories, to tell stories um, about Latinos? I grew up watching like animated Disney with my little sister and they're amazing movies and we could sing them lyric for lyric. But I was also like, I want to create, you know, I was interested just personally, like in girls that aren't good girls who feel different inside. I was like, well, what about a bad girl who feels different? You know, like, I don't know. I just wanted to mix it up and have fun and, and turn things on their heads. You know, that's just where my curiosity lies. And, and also it's just where my like everyday truth was. The reason I was interested in, and that especially female body diversity was important to me in animating this was um, just because like, that's the family I grew up in. We were like, you know, thunder thigh and chicken legs like it was all of the above like you know i think it's it's more traditional and stereotypical that like oh latino women have big butts okay yes we had that in my family but we also had a lot of ladies with like flat butts or like we had round hips and square hips you know and so i really loved all the different forms our bodies took and I thought it was so fun and so why would I not want to write write in the world that had that sort of like diversity and um kind of specificity speaking of diversity I, I think it's interesting you know there, there it's no secret that there was a little bit of criticism around in the heights around like Afro-Latino representation but this is a story centered around an Afro-Cuban multi-generational family I was wondering if that may be something you could talk a little bit about I love the way that we cast this movie um our actors really do represent a lot of the diversity within the Cuban tradition and within the American Latino um roots also and so to have Gloria Stefan to have Juan de Marcos on this film, you know, they bring very authentic, but also wildly different um, stories and experiences um, and Cubanness to the table. And then to also have our stateside cast also, um, you know, to have Yanarli and to have Lin Manuel. Um, one of the things that was fun, and I think this is another reason I was drawn to make Gabby who she is, because we already had Vivo and Andres. I was like, I want to show how much diversity is within the community. You know, that there are, there are these, there is apex of some of the best traditions in the world when you're looking at Cuban music traditions. And then there's a girl that's like, I, I don't need that tradition. I'm doing my own thing. 
you know, and so that, that's, that's all part of the truth. Wanda Marcos, Gloria Stefan, Cuban icons, like so incredible. What was it like finding out like these are the people that are going to be voicing the characters in the story that you're writing? Because it's, it really is a piece about musicians. Like we wanted to get musicians to voice the, uh, the roles. And so I mean, the way Juan DeMarco says words, and he's never acted before, by the way, but his speaking voice is stunning. And, you know, it has such deep roots. Like, to me, his voice is like a tree. It's like a Saba tree. Like, it's got really deep roots and strong roots. And, um, you know, and I used to listen to the Afro-Cuban All-Stars while I was writing plays. I used to listen to conga to get myself warmed up and revved up for a writing day and so i'm pinching myself i'm very grateful i just love that this is a story about connecting through music do you have any favorite songs or music that connects you to your family and friends it just made me think of when i first heard the love song now that was a much anticipated song in the process because it's literally the song that the entire plot leads to so when i when i wrote came up with the story and where me and kirk are telling lynn about the story lynn is like so what you're telling me is I have to write the best love song ever, you know? And he was like, thanks a lot, easy assignment. Um, but then when he finally wrote it and delivered the love song that, you know, culminates the story, I, I loved that so much. And there was something, there's some things he does in the melody in that song um, that remind me of Juan Luis Guerra. And this is music that my family dances, always dances to, um, you know, that we, learn to slow dance together too, that we learn to, you know, I learned to merengue, to bachata rosa. And so, yeah, there's, it, it, I really hear someone we get on that song. You mentioned that, you know, Vivo was a, a project that was a little bit on the back burner for a while. Is there anything now that you have where this is kind of like the one on the front burner and you have something else on the back burner that maybe you can tease a little bit? Always, always. Um, I have my, my memoir, which is called My Broken Language. And it's about the Puerto Rican family I grew up in in Philly and people, so that's going to come out that came out during the pandemic and they're going to release it in paperback later this year. Um, and people are always quite surprised to find out that there's Puerto Ricans in Philly, but yes, there are. So I'm representing and telling that story of the smaller, the smaller Boricua communities around the nation. And I have a new screenplay I'm writing for Warner brothers that, um, they own the Fania catalog. And so they were like, is there, would you like to do something with this Fania catalog? And so I'm, I'm telling a, an original story with that music too. Oh, wow. That's so exciting. Well, congratulations. And, uh, you know, congrats on Vivo. I, I've already watched this like three times. I loved it so much. When they dropped that Missy collab with, for, for oh, my own drum, I was like. I was losing my mind. Lynn was like, Lynn called me. He was like, guess who's doing it? Guess who's doing it? I was, I was so excited. If you're interested in following the podcast, you can follow me pretty much everywhere at Kmaldo or the show at Pop Cult Planet. You can also find information on our guests below as well. Support the podcast with your very own Pop Culture Planet merch at teespring.com slash stores slash Kmaldo. And you can catch new episodes every Thursday at 6.30 p.m. EST on YouTube or your favorite podcast listening platforms. If you enjoy the episodes, consider subscribing so you know when a new one is posted. Rate and review it and share it with your fellow pop culture lovers. Thanks for listening. It's been a blast and I'll talk to you next week.